right. Hey, everyone. It's Chris and uh, Christian. We'll, we'll work on a better intro. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Chris and the Chris and the B. <laughs> What's Andy's song where it's like Andy and the tuna? <laughs> Ripped it to Andy and the tuna. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the stove is so magical. Ripped it to Andy and the tuna. Yeah, yeah, that is that is like harassment. That's like workplace harassment for sure. <laughs> All right, so everyone, uh, you are listening to technically the first episode of the Radio Arcade podcast. And I say technically because last week Christian and I recorded basically a double length episode. Uh, accidentally, we were on a Skype call for six and a half to seven hours. Um, we didn't start recording till three and a half hours in. Um, but then last week, unfortunately, um, Christian's computer crashed. Um, so. We, we've potentially lost the episode. It's in uh, it's in the shop, hopefully getting recovered. Um, and the, losing the episode is not even the, the even in the top hundred worst things about this because Christian, uh, aka Carpenter Arcade, hence the arcade in his podcast name, um, is also a, a musician and a damn good one. Um, and you've lost some music on there and some of your other stuff. So man, I'm really hoping yeah. to get that back. Yeah, man, me too. Yeah, there's like, I don't know, 35 songs I was working on, uh, all to one degree or another of completion. So um, having to like listen, like, you know, whenever I've gotten like enough work done on a song, I always bounce it into an MP3 so I can like listen to it and come up with more ideas and see how it's going. So I always, I always have like, I have some version of every song in an MP3, but then I'll have to go and like literally rebuild them, uh, like re rebuild, like re-record all the drums, the guitars, the vocals, the bass. Uh, yeah, so it's daunting, and I'm not looking like if that's the case, then I'm I'm really not looking forward to that. Yeah, that's a ten percent fair, my good man. Um, yeah, and listener, also, uh, we we do apologize for the somewhat I'll say janky because it's a funny word to me audio. Um, because of the the lack of a laptop, um, we are just recording this audio through skype so it's a skype call audio um and we're both in separate rooms um and neither of us have microphones for our phone <laughs> so this is this is what we could do but we didn't want to delay the debut because we we've announced we're we're hearing this on wednesday september 8th hopefully you will be back in two weeks for a much better sounding episode which if possible might be our original first episode. I feel in a way like we're Clerks, the animated series. Um, hear me out on this one. Where I think it was, I, I think the network was ABC, ABC or whatever, but they dropped um, the second episode, Clerks, the animated series first. <laughs> and did a lot of the jokes um, within the episode because it was the second episode and it was already like a flashback episode so it was flashbacking the stuff from the first episode <laughs> but then it's like none of this is stuff we've seen um so then they really screwed with that show it was a lot of fun um it's like it's like 
showing an alien a a stand-up routine. So like I have literally no context for any of this. <laughs> I had I have no idea what any of you are referencing. <laughs> or debuting a show on like at the season or series finale. <laughs> or we're jumping in at Return of the King instead of watching Fellowship and Towers first. You know what, man? Because, like, okay, so recently I've been watching all the Harry Potter movies. Like, I've spent, I, I rented them, and then I realized I should have just bought them. So I've spent an irresponsible amount of money on watching Harry Potter over the past <laughs> week. And, uh, <laughs> and um, one thing I've been thinking about is how, like, when, when um, I first discovered Harry Potter in 2001, so that was when the fourth book came out, and that was when it was getting, like, super popular, and that's basically the only reason why I, how I discovered it, because it was on the news. And yeah. I was, you know what? Like, like I want to check it out. And, you know, I was out with uh, my grandmother, my dad, my aunt and my uncle, and I was like, hey, you know, Nana, can, can I get this, this new book? And she's like, yeah, why not, right? So I got it, and I couldn't put it down. Like, it was insane to me. And... Going back and then reading the first three, right? Um, it really like it's really interesting, come like thinking about how, like coming into Harry Potter on the fourth book because it's such a change of tone, and the way it's written is so, um, it's so different. It's like a whole new ball game, right? Like it's it's twice the size of the last one. Um, the way they talk about Voldemort and the way they like bring like that was the one where Voldemort actually came back, right? Like yeah. he, he's got a body now. So it was so to me, I was like, what the hell, right? And then. I go back and read the first three and there's part of me that's like, you know, I really like the fact that I came in on the fourth one, but that kind of like, I kind of regret not coming in the first one because the fourth one would have been such like, it would have been even like, it would have been like a revolution or something after having <laughs> read the first three, right? Because the first three, it's almost, it almost feels like this could just be like a Nancy Drew type thing. Like, oh, Harry Potter and the this, Harry Potter and the that. And it doesn't like, there's no like timeline or, or anything like that, some right? For some reason, if you think philosopher is too complicated. So we're creating world and universe on camera for people. I don't, America, I don't get why you changed that name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. I don't get it either. Um, but yeah, yeah, like it, it's uh, wait, what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, really, what was I saying? Oh, uh, you were saying like how kind of wish you had started from the get go. Because uh, that would have changed how watching, oh. like reading the fourth book would have been for you, because it would have been like a huge, a bigger moment for you, because you have all that character stuff leading up. Yeah, yeah, and like when you read the first three, like I mean, the, the, this, like it, it, it almost reads like it, like it. Obviously, there's a, a timeline, right? Because he's in the second year, uh, in the second one, the third year, and the third one. But up until then, it was almost like it was like episodic in a way, and then the fourth one, it really like. It throws down the gauntlet, <laughs> so to speak, and it's like, okay, like shit's getting real, right? Um, yeah. So, it, it, uh, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really, man, I love Harry Potter. So good. So, like, the books are so, so good, man. And you know what? I'm watching the movies, and like, up until the like the fourth one, they miss so much from the book. Like, like I, I remember, like at the end of the fourth one, he's Harry's like on top of Cedric Diggory's body. He's on top of Pattinson's body, and he's like, no, no. Like, get away from me, right? You can't pull me off them. And, like, when you read the books, you're like, like, there's so much that happened between them in the book that isn't shown in the movie at all. So in yeah. the movie, you're like, okay, like, I kind of get it, but, like, I don't know why he's having such a strong reaction to him. It's like, it's like he just lost Hermione or something. That's kind of weird. Um, but in the book, it totally makes sense. You can see why, like, he would have that kind of reaction and attachment to Cedric, right? Yeah. Um, 
it's it's there's so many things in the from the fourth movie on where they they missed so much context. It's and, and I don't know how else they would like I don't know how they would put it in. I'm not necessarily blaming them. I just don't think it the book gets so large that it's not conducive to, to a movie anymore or or one movie anymore. Right? Well, yeah, that's the that's the interesting thing. I've never read any of the. I, I know, I might <gasps> I might check out the audiobooks because that's how I read. <laughs> It, you shouldn't be allowed to watch the movies until you read them. <laughs> I'll, I'll fight you on that. Um. <laughs> it's, it's it's just not it's not like it's like for me like I I mean I would I would think the movies were so much worse if I hadn't read the book, which is weird because they're nowhere near as good as the books. But like at least when you read the books, you have you can fill in those blanks, right? Yourself, well, you can say, oh okay, I know what. What I liked about the what I enjoy about the movies is. Hmm. I'll say it doesn't do it as well as, say, Lord of the Rings, but I'll always have to remind myself, like, look, film, like, going into an entirely different medium, now there's also a lot more time constraints. Mm-hmm. Like, with reading, you've got, like, seven, nine hundred pages, and you read at your pace. For some people, they'll get that done in two days. For other people, it'll take them, like, um... And your imagination is doing all the work <laughs> and like painting these pictures that movies have to do. Like movie, you, you, you can't do that. <laughs> like it's it's got to be on the big screen. And ninety nine percent of the time, runtime is aimed to be ninety minutes, ninety minutes to two hours. Like it's mm-hmm. almost that. Like if you're at two and a half hours, like oh my gosh, this is a slog. Where yeah, but all Harry Potter movies are two and a half hours at least. <laughs> No, well, exactly. But still, yeah. they could have been longer. They probably could have been three and a half. Um, oh, dude, yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing, dude. Uh, watching the first two after I had just read the first two as well, and I noticed where I'm like, okay, obviously, like it, it's really interesting because you can see, oh, okay, they made this choice here, they made this choice there to just sort of show a little thing as opposed to actually like demonstrating the whole breadth of it. And for the first two movies, I'm, like, fully on board. Like, that completely makes sense. There's no point in showing that whole thing. All you need to do is give a little wink and a nod to it. People will get it. That's fine, right? But when you start getting into the fourth one, there's so much... Co- like, it's just... It's not possible to, to, to give you the full breadth of the context within a movie. Like, it's right. not the movie's fault. It's not the medium's fault. It's just that there's, there's too much information in that story to do in a movie, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, and that's something you always have to check before going going into any movie that's adapting, but especially, I'd say, like, a long-form novel or a long series like Harry Potter, you're going to get right. A lot of, lot of issues going to get cut. Like, let's see if they at least capture the spirit of the thing. That's all they can do, right? Like, it's I, I don't envy them and their task with the fourth movie because, like, I like... It, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense the things they cut. I'm just saying like you, you just—it's not possible. You can't, you can't, you can't get like the full meaning or experience or, or breadth of that of that book into a movie or at least one movie, right? Like you might yeah. need to, um, and then it just it gets worse from there. Uh, all the, like Charlie isn't even in any of the <laughs> movies. It was part of my language. Crap. <laughs> but he isn't—he isn't in any of the movies, dude. Like he just doesn't. Like they mention him once in one movie and you don't see him at all but he's in like three or four of the books you know what i mean and it's just like little things like that where it's like okay well like i get it but i mean you know crap like i want to see i want to see a tv series just 
you know, just explore the whole, like all of the books, right? Give me all of that context, all that stuff. What I'd really love to see, dude, what I would love to see is instead of J.K. Rowling, you know, sitting on her butt, um, tweeting turf articles and stuff, maybe she could write like another seven books about like Dumbledore, <laughs> right? I mean, like, that'd probably be like a better addition to the world than um, whatever she's doing now. Uh, <laughs> Pardon? Fantastic Beasts. Not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Those movies are uh, garbaggio, you know? Yeah. Well, like, yeah, yeah. I, like, they try to sucker people in with, like, being like, oh, Grindelwald and Dumbledore, eh? And, and still, no, 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 the people aren't buying it. <laughs> well, like, the, the second, the, the first movie is still not one I'd be like, oh, that's good. I'm like, it's, it's okay. Um, hmm. The second movie, when I saw that, I would, like, it had been, like, two or three, no, earlier, like, while they were in production, that they were like, there's going to be five of these. And as I'm watching, at the end of the second one, I'm like, yeah, you can tell they're planning for five, because, like, not much of value actually happened in this. They could have done that wider story in this movie and then, like, wrapped it up in three. But this yeah. is like, we're going to do a couple things, but here's a hell of a lot of filler because we're making five. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Hell yes. if, if your story needs five episodes of television or like three movies to tell properly, go for it. If you actually need to split up your final book into two movies, go for it. If you actually, but if it's just the the profit side of things, don't do it. Just, just like Jill, Jill has read all the books, um, and she she doesn't enjoy the final, the the first part because she's like, this is fairly unnecessary. Like, oh, there's all this setup of filler that you really could have just added an extra thing. It's to like an extra minutes and it wouldn't be like hey here's a two-hour movie of nothing <laughs> so yeah yeah um yeah there's a lot of like there was too many characters um a lot of the none of the storylines really kind of went anywhere or served any purpose like it was just such um it just seemed like yeah like such a serious cash grab um yeah no i really like I, I want a whole, I want like seven Dumbledore books. Give me Dumbledore. I want Dumbledore. Stick it to my veins. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll say, like, the, the first Harry Potter movie I recall, like, it's not the first one I saw. The first one I saw was the first one, but I, I hated it when I. Um, the first one I remember, like, deciding to go see consciously was the sixth one. Because a friend of mine just really wanted to go. I was like, all right, yeah, this one looks okay. And that was, like, my gateway into Harry Potter. And I know some people who, like, love the books and they're like, that's the worst movie. Like, that's the gateway movie for people who aren't fans of the book. Because it's the rom-com movie. It gives someone, like, one of the most accessible gateways. And Hermione likes Ron. And Ron's, like, Ron's kind of being a kind of dumb boy and not recognizing it. And you're just like, I just want to give you a hug, Hermione, like and tell you everything's gonna be okay. Because she's she's playing that that role of like the unrequited love with a friend so well, which is something like so many people have been through. Mm. It's like, 
this got me in on an emotional level where now I actually give a crap about what Harry's doing. <laughs> Whereas before the first, like the first time I watched the movie, I was the first movie. It's like this annoys the crap out of me, and Ron's yelling Harry, Harry every two bloody minutes. Like, what is this? <laughs> Dude, there's like, man, the acting is. Oh, <laughs> the acting not, in all those movies, Chris. And is, I'm not gonna hate on the kids, uh, like especially when they were younger. They're child actors. Like, they're, yeah, they're doing yeah. the best they can. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no one like no one's blaming them. People are. I, I mean, I, I would just blame the people who cast them. But I mean, it is like it's um, it, it's funny because like I'm just like okay, but I mean, we can expect more from child actors now. And I'm wondering if like looking back on it, I'm wondering if this is a situation because like it was made 20 years ago, right? So say like in '97, it's like watching a movie in '77. The people just don't talk the same. They don't act the same. It's it's yeah. strange, right? And I'm wondering if that's like because because it's happened in our lifetimes, we're less capable of seeing that. But I think that that might be the case, right? Maybe I'm like, okay, maybe the acting isn't quote unquote bad. Maybe it was good for the time. But looking at what child actors are, are doing now, it's kind of like crap. Pardon? What they're being allowed to do. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But like, it just, it seems like it, I, I feel like it's another case of like time goes on and then people start acting more like how people actually act in real life. Right. Right. Um, and I just, it's so weird to, to see us continuously get closer to that as opposed to just arriving at it at some point. But I don't, I, I'm just like, why, why can't we just like make movies where people act like it, people actually act, right? But like, even like, like Hagrid, like everything is so, it has this weird sort of like, I can't put my finger on it. Like it's intangible, but it, it, it just, it's, I want to say stilted or a little like wooden. Um, and it's interesting, like when you see like a really good actor act. Uh, alongside like one of the the main three like Radcliffe or or it's just like oh crap dude <laughs> like like the the difference is like palpable you know you can really but um like Harry like he, his intonation it's like I wonder if he's like he has some partial hearing loss or something like he can't <laughs> it's just it's a little too monotone right it's, I, I don't like know man sum up with the title of the parody both Harry Potter and the Lost Hearing Aid like, yeah yeah. <laughs> Or man, oh dude, yeah, yeah, or, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm also like reading the or quote unquote reading and listening to the audiobooks. And, and man, one thing about audiobooks compared to real books, like there's something so much more, like immersive, and like sincere when you're, you're, you're having an interaction with an actual book that you're reading, right? Like where you're doing half of the heavy lifting by actually reading it, right? right. And I was. I was having a conversation with Darko about this, where I'm like, it's so like it's it's so much easier to retain and it's so much different, and I feel like it is genuinely a better qualitative experience to actually read a book. Um, but there's something like I don't know if you if you've thought of this, but there's a huge difference between having someone read the book to you, like right there in front of you, like another actual person, and listening to it through like headphones or something. Like if someone's actually reading it to me, I I am fully there, I'm fully paying attention, right? Like I, but as soon as it's in headphones, like I have to do so much more work just to continue like paying attention and following it along, right? Um, and it's it's almost it's weirdly almost more difficult than actually read. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, in a way, I have the exact opposite experience. Um, I am a a painfully slow reader, um, and if I'm reading or like the only things I I like if I'm listening to something. 
I yeah. have to do it at two times the speed. Because um, otherwise, my mind is just prone to walk. Even if the thing's interesting, like, I'll start thinking about that interesting thing. And then, like, 10, 15 minutes down the line, I'm like, wait, where the heck am I? So I'm not yeah. paying attention. Um, and the same thing happens with reading. It could be captivating. It's like, man, I'm moving so slow. Or it's like, oh, that's interesting. And then my mind keeps going. And I'm like, in half an hour, I'm still on the same bloody page. <laughs> Whereas for me with audiobooks, like, because I've got it at two times the speed, I'm actually paying attention. And mm. then I'm, for me personally, I'm retaining it more than I would if I sat down and, and read it. And then I'm also able to enjoy it more because, again, I'm just a very painfully slow reader. Part of the process of, like, reading, it's enjoyable, but it's not. It's also not fun because I just get so frustrated at how slow I'm or how easily distracted I'll get. Whereas with, I, like, with what I do with podcasts, sermons, and audiobooks, is I'm like, no, now I, I've eliminated stuff where I'm like, I have to pay attention. Because now if I start, <laughs> if my mind starts wandering and I miss two minutes, I've really missed four <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, like, at least with a book, like, honestly, dude, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I would, I don't know. It doesn't matter how fast or slow you read, you know? Like, that shouldn't, I wouldn't, like, that should, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just, just for your sake, I mean, I would, I, I, I'd just I, maybe I, try not to stress about it, you know? <laughs> like, I also still read, but one of the examples I've got uh, with an mm. audiobook, which makes me, to an extent, engage with it more than just the book would, but yeah. I've got the, uh, the audio series, and it's all one file, uh, the Narnia series, and mm. the last book, is, uh, The Last Battle, is read and narrated by one Sir Patrick Stewart. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for that. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. when you get stuff like that, you're gonna, like, in a way, you're gonna connect more. Or um, when we actually, when I actually get around to sharing on my show the Star Wars episode we recorded, <laughs> like four months ago, something yeah. like that, that I completely just forgot about. Like, both of us love that because it wasn't just like someone there sitting reading monotonely like people were performing the the characters so you were like hey, yeah 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 you're reading uh, in in a way an audio drama so yes that, that, i loved it if it's just a dude sitting there like monotonously or just like Frodo did this and then he walked off or something like of course i'm not but if the a good narrator will add some emotion and all that stuff within the mm. book of the scene. And I find that engages me. I, that's personal. That's not anything I feel like, oh, y'all are wrong. Because um, reading and however you read best is how it is. Yeah, yeah. Man. I, I, um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I find with like, with, with reading, it's, I mean, if you start, like, if you start losing your place or if you start, like, your mind wanders, it's, you you just literally like you you go oh, okay where was the last where did I leave off okay and keep going and I found another thing about um like with the Harry Potter books it is just one guy like he does put on voices and affectations and stuff to to differentiate the characters but um I would like more of like like an actual different person coming in right yeah um but uh one thing I found is that it's really like 
like really trying to pay attention and focus on like the why am I not paying attention or why am I not capable of focusing on this as much as like if I were reading an actual book or something. Um, it really teaches me a lot or taught me a lot about um, just like being aware of your own your anxiety, right? And I think that a lot of like for me, like that's um, that was sort of the case where my my mind gets into a mode of like racing and I'm not actually like critically thinking like literally like i'm not noticing what my brain's doing and kind of forces you to be like oh shit like i need to start i need to regulate my breathing i need to you know sort of practice some mindfulness here for maybe a minute or two and really get myself in in like a, a slow slow down my, my pardon sorry slow down my brain right um it's uh yeah, it was it, it was interesting. It was weird. but yeah, I mean, no, I, I feel like like reading a book is it's 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 like it might as well just be a completely like I mean it is it is <laughs> there's a difference between listening to someone they might be all the exact same words but obviously it's, it's a different act but like it's so qualitatively different like it almost might as well be a different story in a lot of ways like I, I don't I don't know man I don't know reading is is it's something it's it's magical. <laughs> <laughs> I'd slightly push back on it, although I get where you're coming from. Um, to me, it's like, I don't see as much of a difference. Like, if someone's like, no, audio books don't count, I'd be like, I'm getting the exact same story and information. It's just how I'm getting it, the delivery mechanism is different. Like, I'm still yeah, yeah, yeah. and enjoying and imagining. I'm still doing... 99% of everything that you're doing as you sit and read it, but it's just the difference is the delivery. Um, I, I, I will. Okay. I, I agree. I mean, I would never say, I would never say, Hey, you didn't read the book. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that to someone, you know, but yeah. I like just personally from my experience, I found like reading it as opposed to listening to it is a lot more, um, how do I like to me? It's a, it's just a better experience. You know, like, I, I don't know how to, yeah, I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can quantify it, but I feel like there's, there's something to be said for like, ah, like, I don't know, I just find it's easier to imagine things when I go at my own pace. Like, say if like, I'm reading something, I don't, I don't have to, like, there's always, okay, so when you're listening to an audiobook, you know that you can't stop it, right? Like, there's always that knowledge in your mind. So it doesn't really give you the liberty to really sit back and, and, you know, unless you go and you pause it and you think, and then you unpause it, which feels kind of like, I don't know, like I've never, I've never intentionally stopped something so I can think before, you know, that's never been like, I, I don't think that's a thing that people do. It's like, oh, wait, let me stop doing this. So I can literally just think, right? Like people just think while they're doing stuff. Oh, and so, <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's one thing if you're in the car and like you're lost, you got to turn, like, you got to turn the tunes down. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't like, I just feel it's, it's weird. Like, okay, I'll pause it. Think. And then go back, but it's like when you're reading, it's like you don't have to like you. You are the thing that's moving it, right? So you literally just stop reading and think. It's not like oh, I gotta press pause on this thing, intentionally think. It's it's more. It just becomes sort of um, a reaction, I guess. Oh, whoops. oh boy. Uh, decline. What? You're still here. Uh, I know somebody. Somebody called me some idiot. <laughs> I have no idea who it was, but I know that they're stupid. <laughs> um, what's interesting is, like, I, while I while I hear that, at the same point, I just feel like, 
feel like you could say you're describing the, the same thing still. Where it's like you like you're you're the mechanism driving it when you're reading, but you're still stop reading. So you yeah. Right? So then with the it would be the same with the audio book where it's like okay, I'm not listening now. I'm pressing pause and I'm still yeah. then thinking. It's still the to me anyway the same thing as like if I were physically reading the book and then I stop yeah. to think like I'm not however people read and and like that that's better for you and that's great for you and that's awesome like I'm always down to encourage more reading um but I know for me personally I tend to absorb more through the through the audiobook maybe it's because of the anxiety or when I when I listen to audiobooks 99% of the time I'm not just sitting down um you're doing something else. I'm out and about. I'm I'm walking with yeah. it. So it's like an yeah. hour time where it's just me listening to the book. Um and like paying attention, of course, paying attention to traffic and stuff, making sure like nobody or on sidewalk or that I'm not gonna walk in front of a stepping car or a moving car. Yeah. Car step, that'd be something where that'd be interesting. Uh <laughs> yeah, I I think my issue it's like if if I'm like when I'm listening to audiobooks, I am either like walking or I'm doing something else, and like my anxiety is so bad that like even if I'm just walking down the street, there's no way I can focus on that audiobook, right? Like there's just it's not happening. Like I, I if if I'm moving, my mind is moving like twice as fast, right? Um, and, and if I'm staying still, it's moving like four times as fast. <laughs> so it's but the what? That's the thing for me. I find it's it's easier to distract myself or separate myself a bit from that anxiety while I'm yeah. out about because it's like so much easier for me when I'm home, when I'm sitting down, like just for those then move faster, you don't have as many distractions and then it's harder to get to a place where not that it's gone, but it's a lot more manageable and it's not just like plunging you downward, just just a, just a slow um, like and with what, like, that's where I like listening to podcasts and audiobooks while I'm out and about, because then it's like, all right, I'm in a zone. I have to focus on this. And then the anxiety is still there, but my mind has something to latch on to. So I'm focused on that. I'm focused on imagine, like, getting this information, hearing it, my thoughts on it. And that's kind of keeping the, the dragging down effect at bay. It doesn't always. There's, of course, some days where I'm like, I'll throw on a book and like two minutes in, I'm just like, I'm not paying any attention to this. I'm way too anxious. Like this, mm. this and then I'll pause it. But at other times it, it helps. Like it's more so when, when I'm just sitting. <laughs> Your previous description is all, like, it, that's me all the time. Like you're right. pre, like, you're like, Oh, I'm too, I'm too anxious to actually be able to fall to track this. Like I can't like, to me, like, Listening to an audiobook is is more work than actually reading the book, right? And and I think like if and the thing that sucks is like like if there's okay with the book like yeah I guess like you you there's that phenomenon of you keep reading but you haven't really like you know it, taken it in so you can just go back and start reading it on the where you you know where you stop but there's something about like like with an audiobook like you you don't like you like if you stop paying attention 
like you you can't it's so much easier to just stop paying attention and not realize it i think i think that's the biggest issue with me where i'm like i'll be like oh crap i haven't been listening to this for the past like 30 minutes like it's just been playing in my ear and i've been thinking about other stuff and but with a book like you're just sitting there reading it so when you start thinking about other stuff you're like oh wait i'm just i'm literally just sitting here with this book in my hand i should be reading like it's but when you're when you're listening to an audio it's like i'm doing something else or i'm moving or something and it's like you don't like it's so much easier for me to get lot like i and honestly when you said like you you listen to an audiobook at two times the speed i could never in my life do that <laughs> that would i would i would never be able to like i would finish the book and people would be like oh so what happened i'd be like i don't i don't know i mean what happened was i listened to a book at two times the speed that's that is what happened i i couldn't tell you what happened in the book but i do know that i listened to it like it's um I don't know, it's just interesting the way like different people seem to um you know uh interpret or like um ingest uh media and stuff but yeah man no i think i think books by far are are the superior medium for telling a story in like any way right like if you're you know an audiobook movie show just write a book you know <laughs> write, write, the, write the damn book first okay um i just i don't know man i don't know it's it's listening to audiobooks and like the the effort i've had to um like it, it's dope because like i can do other stuff and give my anxiety it's like i kind of always have to be doing two things i can't really sit down and focus on and do one thing it just it, I'm not comfortable. Like I'm just antsy and anxious and like I need to be super distracted. But um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think the book, like it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's super made me appreciate reading a book and like what, like I really want to get um, like the Sandman comics, like physically. I want to get, uh, but it's it's crazy. They're like two hundred bucks for the set oh, yeah. or something. It's it's wild, dude. Yeah. Well, I don't think they've been reprinted in some time. That's oh no, they're they're actually re-releasing a new box set, which okay. comes out. I think it actually comes out this month because I checked on because I went to Indigo to see if I could buy uh, like the whole collection. And like I said, it's like it's either like one ninety nine or even two ninety nine. Like it's something like insane, but it has all the issues. They're all like in a box. It's in it, but it hasn't released yet. Like you can go and pre-order it, but you can't actually order it. And I think. I think they're re-releasing it because of um, they're coming out with the show and they've just done this new audiobook series. So I think there's like a resurgence. So they want to have it there for people who might want to buy it, right? I'd I'd also say as much as I I like Indigo the store um, mm. for for comics or trade paperbacks, like it's the cheapest spots legit are Amazon, um, unless it's like. But then it's it's Amazon. Like they they are having a negative impact on the comic book industry because it's stuff through there instead of your local shop. What I'd yeah. say is look look for a local shop because a number of local comic book stores will have it. Uh, like Planet X, which is no longer no longer there along St. Clair. Um, that was where I bought like the majority of my comics and the majority paperbacks and uh, this the run of Sandman man that i have i i never completed them um but they, they had it there and with a lot of comic book stores now they're still offering like outside pickups so you don't have to come into the store some might offer delivery. uh so it might it might be worth looking into that way that way you can also but i'll point uh get back to friggin indigo they've gotten hella expensive the markup on the book i i like not trying to accuse them of just like 
trying to get a profit because I'm beverage store. But the price comparison, at least for a while, was like at least ten or fifteen dollars, maybe twenty. Or at least that I noticed, and for some comments, came in to go in comparison to Amazon. Like Amazon will sell it cheaper, but most of the time it's like five bucks cheaper. Something where you're like, oh, yeah. No problem spending an extra five. That's fine. But when you've got to spend an extra 50, like 10, 15, 20 even, then you're going to be like, I'll go with it. Save gas money. <laughs> yeah, man. With <laughs> I, uh, yeah, because I have, there's a comic book shop, like literally two blocks up the street on Pave. And, um, like if, if you're, I, like, I, you're familiar with the area. Pardon? I think I know that one. It's near the, uh, I don't know the name of the school, but it's in that area, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just two blocks up from here. There's a school on one end of my block, and there's a school on the other end of my block. And and the comic book shop is up north, yeah. right? So there's a That's school on the west the, side. The field that goes along Pape before it gets to the bridge or the no road, yeah? Like where Pape ends, and then you got to go over to yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's two blocks north of where I'm at, and I'm one block north of the bridge. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I know the exact one you're talking. Yeah, there's not like it, there's no other comic book store in the like in like even if you go up to Danforth, if you go all the way south down to like Queen Street, like there's nothing, right? And so <laughs> I always try to give them my business. Like I bought yeah. Red Sun from them. Um, I was I've been trying to buy all my one pieces from them, but they don't have any of them. Uh, and so it's just sort of like, I'm, I'm trying to give this guy my business, but like, even, even on the phone, he's like, yeah, you might want to go to Indigo or chapter or something. I'm like, dude, just order it. Like, I'll wait. Like, I'm trying to give you my money, you know, like yeah. crap. Um, and with Amazon, like what I found, like, here's the thing, here's the thing. I mean, it is hit or miss, right? Um, like for instance, I want to get, uh, omnibus volume six of one piece, right. And it'll be back in stock at Indigo on October 18th. So I pre-ordered it. Um, but on Amazon right now, it's like a hundred dollars, right? Wherein, whereas like if, if I get it from Indigo, I'll be paying like 20 bucks. Um, and it's just, it's like the other thing. Um, so yeah, two things like, yeah, com like I would always love to support the independent mm -hmm. comic bookshops, but like this guy, like he, he seems like hell bent on not having any stocking of any like popular manga or comic book whatsoever. So, I mean, if that's his choice, that's his choice, right? I can't make him. Um, I would, I would like, I am, I, you know, I might check to see what, uh, if he has any Sandman. If that's because that he'll he'll be more likely to have that, right? Especially yeah. given like the the resurgence. Um, and in terms, of, yeah, yeah, like I mean, if it, honestly, if I can get something like the cheapest I can get it, I'll, I'll, that's where I'll get it, right? But, um, did you know that uh, the chapters in Indigo stores they've started unionizing? I didn't. Uh, yeah, there's one uh, in Scarborough that just successfully unionized. Uh, there's another, there's a couple more that are trying to, um, uh, oh, another really, really cool, like, I'm just, it's so exciting to see all unions getting a resurgence and people actually, um, taking, um, what's the word, uh, civil, there's disobeying civilly, you know, civil disobedience, um, for instance, like I'll Nabisco, um, beg your pardon? I'm all for civil disobedience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, it, uh, uh, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole complicated issue, right? Um, yeah, but for instance, uh, so what happened was Nabisco. Uh, there, crap, I don't know if it's okay. So there's a union that's getting screwed, right? And they're going on strike. And 
exactly the train union that's on strike or the workers at the plant that are on strike. But Nabisco was like, hey, we're going to get our, our stuff. We're going to keep like there's not going to be a shortage of our product, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, the conductors found um, union members on the tracks basically protesting, saying you can't get past us. And instead of like calling in the cops and stuff, the conductors were like, dope. And they just reversed the train. They're like, we're with you, like solidarity, right? Oh, wow. um, yeah, which is amazing. It's like, okay, well, if you're not going to pay us, right, you're not going to get the ingredients to, for your scabs to, to finish the work type of thing. And, and that's the way it should be. You know, any, um, any labor victory in like the history of, of the labor movement, um, that's how it's, it was won through solidarity, sol- solidarity with other unions, right? Um, and I know we've talked about this before, and I bring up examples from like Scandinavia and Norway. Uh, one that I really, really like is when Toys R Us was going to come in and try and um, force like their American way of doing things on the Scandinavians. And Scandinavians like, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, so they went on strike and literally every, like the whole country basically stopped. Like every union went on strike and like, we're not going to work until like you make them adhere to like our principles and the way we do things. And Toys R Us threatened, they're like, oh, well, we have all these jobs and blah, 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 and you're not going to get them. And they're like, okay, dope, we don't care, right? So it turns out, like, all the threats they use where they're like, oh, we'll take our jobs out of your country, blah, blah, blah. That's all BS. It's all complete BS. Um, Toys R Us capitulated to everything. uh, And now they function like any other corporation has to function in that country, right? And it's the only reason it it worked is because literally every union was like, we're not – we're 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 holding in solidarity. So then, even politicians that wanted to um, court Toys R Us and uh, basically create a precedent for um, undermining the status quo, they were screwed. They became incredibly unpopular. Uh, like you look at what happened in Switzerland when the um, the prime minister actually had to resign because they were going to start paying uh, the postal workers like a little bit less, <laughs> and like and the whole country lost their. And it's like. These are these are the, the, some of the most wealthy countries in the world, and they have some of the highest uh, reported uh, happiness, right? Like these, these are the happiest citizens in the world. Um, I, I feel like there might be a correlation there. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know how I got off on that rant, but I just I really love that concept of, of like crap, man. Like if we were all unionized and we all had class solidarity, everything would be so much better for everybody, except for well, I mean, you know, the corporations. I mean, they've just they've just been making less profit, but they would still be profiting. They'd still be successful. It's just everyone else gets to live a decent life now, right? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll share two quick quick things. Um, one would be I can't remember the exact place, and it would be a trek for you to do. Um, so it would be something to keep in mind. I last time I went with Steve, it was still not. A couple blocks east of Woodbine and Queen, there's a Planet X. Um, mm. They had a solid amount of stock of stuff. Like, they also had action figures, Avatar. Uh, of course, a bunch load of comics. And I think they even had a, a manga section, if I'm not mm. mistaken. Um, so they might be worth looking into. Um, but then the other thing, um, it's really interesting. Uh, it came up on Brian Baumgartner. Uh, podcast, um, his first one where it was, uh, it was about the office. He's got two, um, and I can't remember if that one was an oral history or whatever. But they, of course, talked about like the season four writer strike, um, which complicated things because 
half, not half, but a decent number of the cast are writers. So they're, they're going on strike. Um, but a number of the cast members, they're, they're like, we want to stand in, like, we absolutely stand in solidarity because we agree with what makes you is wrong, especially because at that time, like, they were one of the shows to do web exclusive series The Accountants, and then the network is the only one who's profiting off of that, and they're like, well, we'll wait and see, and it's like, no, we've, we've worked on this, <laughs> like, we created this. Mm. Um, so it got to the point where they were like, look, if you, the, the writers were like, there's no hard feelings. You are under a contract to show up. If you violate that contract, you will be fired. Like, so we, like, we understand entirely. We know, you, we know you're siding with us that you're in a rock and a hard And Carell was like, Carell played hardball. He was just like, no, I'm not showing. Like, Carell didn't show up, so that gave the rest of the cast the the thing of like, great, we don't, we can, we can go pick it with these guys. This is what they wanted to do to begin with. Um, and the showrunner Greg Daniels, uh, who like outstanding showrunner, such an interesting creative mind. Um, he was also doing King of the Hill for a long time. Um, he like he was on board with the writers from the get-go and he the cast hey the cast used their money and greg went into his own personal checkbook to pay the salaries of the crew like the the mic grip uh friggin makeup people like the, the people who in that like if a show shuts down they're the most screwed like an actor can conceivably find another show or if they save their money they're, they're set for a while. They're, they've got some comfort there. It's a little more yeah. difficult for like, the grip guys. Um, but then hearing, like, Corell, the cast, but, like, Greg Daniels, just going into his pocket to make sure that his crew is taken care of during that, that strike, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's, mm. that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's a decent... What? I just thought you'd like that story. That's the only reason I wanted to. Yeah, no, man, it's, that's that's dope. It sounds like he's a decent person. I mean, um, class solidarity all the way, right? Uh, I, and it's you know, props to Steve Carell because he's literally the only person that could have done that. Like, it's all like <laughs> I could see him feeling obligated to do what he did, given the fact that, like, I mean, everyone, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that maybe it's like a lot of like the other, like, you know, Jim, Pam. You know, they were like, screw it, we're not doing this. You could kind of maybe make the argument that there, there's some leverage there, but if Steve Carell says, hey, I'm not going to play Michael Scott anymore, and I don't care if you break my, like, if you say my, I don't care, it doesn't matter to me, then, like, that, like, what they, they need him so much more than he needs them, right? Like, it's it's just amazing where he's like, dude, I'm Steve Carell, like, I'll <laughs> I'll find other work, I'll be okay, you know? Like, I don't have to keep doing this show. Um, I've got a movie career right now, a successful one in that. Like, yeah, like even I mean, if the guy just wanted to take the money he made off of the movies he'd made up till then and the seasons that he was in up till then and just you know invest it and live off the dividends, he could have led a comfy life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's it's like, bro, I got nothing to lose. Like, I'm I'm fully willing to do the right thing here. <laughs> it's, um, 
but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's that's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's crazy the amount of leverage that that one man can have in that situation. Um, you know, really, it, it's it, it's a good learning lesson, dude. It, it, it's crazy. Uh, unions are are. I mean, I don't know. Like, obviously, like there aren't all like union. Not all unions are great, right? Um, but I mean, in such a when the the paradigm or the dichotomy is. It's so coercive and antagonistic between um, those like the owning class or the elites or the the capitalists and, and the proles and the, the working class. Um, like we need some sort of leverage. Like it doesn't like there is no like there's that that whole thing of like oh it's a negotiation when you go in for a job. It's like okay how is it like a negotiation when um, I need this job to like I don't know not die and they can just go next. And then they have another candidate right there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, that's not a fair negotiation. <laughs> it's like, hey, negotiate with me. But um, you're naked and you have nothing and I have guns <laughs> and a lot of dudes with them. Now, let's negotiate. You know, it's kind of like that. That's the way I see it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you definitely like unions are um, super, super important because even when people, you know, even even for people who make a decent amount, way more than someone on minimum wage, like I assume a writer for the office is. I wouldn't say like they're rich, but they're definitely not poor. Um, well, like, DJ Novak and Mindy Kaling are quite well from their quite well for themselves, and Paul yeah. Levin is also doing quite well for himself. And so many yeah. of those writers became showrunners of their own things or wrote best-selling novels and stuff. But I I agree with you. I absolutely agree. I I personally had a bad experience with. Um, with, uh, when I was at Touch, the now former Stone Youth Center, um, just because it was a case of, I'd argue, a union being overzealous, um, but also, I'm trying to, I really don't think they were fair to, to the management. Um, like they, we went into this meeting and the, the union basically made it like if you don't demand if you don't demand for a raise and say you're willing to strike like you might as well just bend over a bear like not to get too graphic but that was the metaphor they were screwed so we and they were like you should you guys should be getting five at least five more dollars and you don't need to demand it and this company has money blah 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 um and we we had to negotiate the union for that down to one dollar because we're like, look, we're we're all happy here. <laughs> we 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 enjoy we enjoy our management. Um, but that was the paint uh, the picture that was painted, and we then had to be like, we will very reluctantly say, are willing to if it's not one dollar. And like the union's like, well, you should be getting the other four. We're like, tell them to take the other four and put it into outreach or fundraising. So we get another fund. So then the, the shelter gets more money that benefits the youth accessing it. And then that also benefits us. Mm -hmm. But then the, what the union reps did was they called board of directors and the fundraisers the very next day. And they told them, staff is going to go on strike if you don't give them a dollar raise like that's that's not even a negotiating table so then management 
blindsided by all this. They're getting like 15, 20 calls within the first hour and emails being like, what? The, the staff's going to walk? Like all that. And then the, the union were like, we tried to talk to them, but they weren't willing to listen. They've never done this before. They were like demanding outrageous things. And to me, that first clue is like, all right, you're, you're the experts. You're, you're saying you've been doing this a long time and you're jumping the hardball with people who just said don't know how to do this. So are you trying to work with them to do this? Or are you, is this a situation of you're just trying to snow, like snowball them, like shove, like shove that weight around because they're like around the block and I know this. And I knew, yeah. like, I knew my management. Like, we were, we were not best friends, but we could actually open up to each other. There was a, a friendly atmosphere. Like, we could mm -hmm. talk on work and support each side of work. So when they're trying to paint them as, like, they, do, they don't care about you guys. They're just lining their pockets and all that. I'm like, that's not accurate. And I know if you had tried to talk to so-and-so, like, with like some humility or it, like showing like, Hey, you don't know this. That's cool. This is how these things go. Let's like the approach of let's work together. They would like any of them would have been a lot more open. And then, then like it just kind of spiraled out. Things got bad. And now the union had our financial interests at heart, which is great. And they wanted to include perks, which is awesome. But how they did it, like how they tried to deliver it, was it was terrible. Yeah. Because uh, then something like then things got discovered about money. It, management didn't know it was mess, and that's like that's a whole different that's a whole different story about how time ended. But it yeah, I, came to light during all that. <laughs> I feel like if a union is going to make those claims, they should have like some sort of documentation to back it up. Like, hey, this is how much money they're spending on this. This is how much money they're spending on that. This is how much money they have to spend and that they're unwilling to spend on you. And it's like, okay, well, like, yeah, you would have to demonstrate that they are, in fact, hoarding profits, right, as opposed to paying us what we deserve. Um, and instead of just coming to, coming to us and say, hey, you need to support us on this $4 raise or we're all, like, we'll burn it all down. I mean, um, here's the thing. Not every union is going to be perfect. And in a perfect mm -hmm. society, we wouldn't need unions. I mean, here's the thing, like unions are are a solution to a problem that shouldn't even exist. Um, so for people to be like, oh, you know, not all. Yeah, yeah, no, not all unions are good. Like, uh, obviously, like they're not the best solution. Uh, they shouldn't even have to exist if, um, our, you know, our elected representatives were actually representing our interests in any material way whatsoever. Um, we probably wouldn't need to band together for leverage against corporations. Right. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, is it some sort of like Mad Max? Um, Thunderdome-esque situation where you just pit the working class against the capitalists and, like, you get to reap all the benefits? Like, I don't understand. Like, because that, that's basically what's effectively happening. Um, and with that, just a very, very, very healthy dose of propaganda. It's, um, yeah, man, I mean, that's, it sounds like from, 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 from your experience, yeah, the union was not, um, I mean, even giving, if you're to give them the benefit of the doubt completely, they're inept. That's, that's giving them the, the most, benefit of the doubt that you can, that's inclusion that you would have to come to that they're just inept, right? Um, at worst, they're obviously like they're malevolent uh, um, in their, you know, I, I don't, I, that's just, it sounds very, 
yeah, I would be like, come on, man, you got to show me. You got to prove that, like, this is the case before I'm going to, like, get on board with this, right? And also, not all unions are structured the same. Some of them are, are very centralized for leadership, that, right? That's why I'm not, like, saying this is not a blanket statement about all unions. This is, yeah. like, it's just something when I've talked to, like, someone who's never necessarily been involved in one and is suddenly, like, a thousand percent, like, oh, no, this will be everything. This will, like, all right. Just be aware, sometimes, maybe, probably the minority, sometimes this can happen. Yes. I'm not trying to sway you, because I support you, <laughs> especially when they're done right. But just don't go in thinking, like, expecting everything to be sunshine and rainbows with this when it's not necessarily going to Just have that healthy awareness of, hey, so-and-so could be doing for us, again, the weirdest thing was like we had to talk them down. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's so that's, that would feel like, very weird. Like you have to negotiate with your own union to get them to negotiate properly with the people that you're they're representing, like the, against the people that they're representing you against, right? Like it's 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 such a it's like crap. Do we need to get a union to to negotiate with our union? Like what is going on here, right? Um, but no, I mean obviously, like these are good things to bring up because. Um, yeah, when people are like, oh, this is a solution. It's like, you know what? It might very well be the solution for your, for your, in, in this instance, right? That might be like, even, even a bad union might be way better than what you're dealing with now, right? Yeah. Um, and I think there's a difference between like, there's a lot of corporations um, that take advantage of the fact that their workers are on unions. And I think it's a lot different um, between like a corporation that's set up solely to, for, for profit, as opposed to a corporation like um, Touchstone or something, which is more of like a, um, a social work. Um, like a yeah yeah like a, like a healthcare sort of thing right like it's I I really don't know how that could be like I, I it's I mean I think every worker should be unionized but like I don't like I kind of feel like that sort of goes against because like a situation like you just you just you know you just showed you just demonstrated like that could arise right but I, I think the, all these things need to be spoken about because while unions are very good and they're a very good solution to a lot of problems that are are occurring in our society there's structural issues. Um, you have to know that, like, obviously, just because you start a union doesn't mean it's going to work. Like, you need to be aware of all the potential pitfalls that come along with starting a union, and being aware of those things and knowledgeable of them will allow you to prevent those things from occurring when, you know, starting your union, right? Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think talking about the, the negative aspects of unionizing is good in the sense that, like, these are the things to avoid, not these are inherent in the nature of unions, right? Yeah. Well, like, and it's interesting because I, it, to it, I'll say to an extent, I agree that everything, everything should be unionized. Now, the only reason I say to an extent is like uh, a local comic book shop that's just them that's got like the guy running it and then his two part-time employees. That mm. that doesn't need a union. That's no. <laughs> like, and that would not be able to sustain a union. Um, with nonprofits, like the smaller they are, I'd say no, unless you're, unless the majority of staff are then like, hey, we're aware of how much money is coming in, and we're not, see like, not even just for ourselves, for our, like, for our salaries, but for our programs and for everything, we're, we're not seeing this. We're not seeing any of the, the fruits of our labor into this or any of these funds like where where is this going and then if there's like no interest like no accountability to that or visibility or when you're trying to advocate for like 
mental health days or something like that. And they're like, like, no, but you're like, you're getting all this money and it's not seeing it. Then maybe, if not a full-on union, like at least an investigation for that kind of thing. But for, for some nonprofits like YMCA or uh, Good Shepherd or um, Coven, Covington uh, House, I think, in uh, in yeah. Toronto, like all of these these places, they have multiple locations. Um, so in some ways, you could compare them to a franchise business. Like, not that's not what they are, but it's like, hey, it's one name under places, and they're getting the lion's share of funding. That, that would make more sense to have yeah. a union and a universal standard across the board. Um, yeah, it's, 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 to me, it's like super easy. Like, look at how much the people who are getting paid the most are getting paid. Look at how much you're getting paid. Look at how much money is being made, right? Okay, so these people can, can like, someone who's getting, like, you know, like, maybe they're making, like, a million a year. Hey, can they make it on, like, maybe 800000 a year? Yeah, they, they probably could. I think they're going to be okay. So, you know what? Maybe we take that two hundred grand and we pay the people who are not going to be okay, right? Yeah. Oh, I got switched to audio only. I'm going to switch to audio with you. Um <laughs> Yeah, because my connection is poor. But um, the other thing I wanted to say uh, is, um, like, even, like, a lot of these nonprofits pop up to solve problems that shouldn't exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we shouldn't need these um, these nonprofits to exist. Like, these, you know, these are all things that should be taken care of if our society was structured in, in like, a morally defensible manner, right? Um, or at least to the extent wherein, like, they shouldn't be as, um, as, as, uh you know uh what's the word chris ubiquitous not ubiquitous but they're everywhere you know like they're right yeah you know so i i just kind of feel like i'm like this, this pardon i can't think of the word no i mean neither me neither but yeah yeah so i kind of feel like okay well yeah they exist to solve an issue that is caused by basically our current paradigm right um right. and I, I don't know that's just my take on it but uh in terms of like we, you mentioned you know a small business with you know two employees they shouldn't be unionized um to me, not like unionization, like of like literally every citizen into some union or another should be the goal. Um, but in the same breath, uh, co-ops should also be um, like it, it, you basically like if you have to hire another person when starting your business, that person gets part ownership of your business. Like you are not allowed to hire someone without giving them a portion of your business, right? Um, like I kind of think like that's basically like that's the other way to go about it because at that point, um, if you any business should be like structured democratically, right? Like for instance, you go to work, you don't get to, um, you know, you don't get to choose who your bosses. You don't get like there's all sorts of stuff, right? Um, and I just I'm kind of like I don't understand why like democracy is so morally superlative when we're talking about electing our representatives, but not where we spend the majority of our lives and our time, <laughs> um, and especially like. Like, I don't know, dude, it just seems right. So, I mean, at that point, though, if you were to mandate, like, every business would have to become a co-op, you don't, wouldn't really need unions <laughs> because you'd be part owner of the company. You'd all be voting democratically on the decisions that a company makes, right? Obviously, you de you vote a leader in, so they make decisions on your behalf. So it's not like, like you know, you don't spend two hours of every day, every worker's voting on every little single decision that's made. But, you know, you vote someone in based on, like, knowing that they have experience. They come in, if they do a good job, go, let them stay. They're not doing a good job. Call an election. Get the hell out of there, right? Uh, <laughs> it's just, 
don't know. And people are like, oh, but you know, the employees, they, they don't care. Like, it's so funny that people will make the argument that, like, oh, well, the employees, like, they don't have as much of a vested interest in making the business as profitable as possible. It's like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, the more profitable the business is, the more money they're going to make. It's not like now where if a business makes more, like, exponentially more profits every year, year after year, wages stay the same. <laughs> this time, when your business actually does make money, you will make more money too. Crazy, right? Like, um, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, like, you know, if someone starts a business, it should be theirs. It's like, well, I mean, did they start? Like, did they really, like, how did they get the capital? How did they, where does the education come from? Um, how did they make it this far in life to actually be able to? You know what I mean? Like, all of this is paid for by taxpayers. Like, if you, like, a capitalist can't exist on a lone island and all of a sudden create an empire. That doesn't make any damn sense whatsoever, right? Like, I, I, just, I don't know, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, dude. I, I, I just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 but I think like the world that uh, uh, I'm advocating for won't exist probably ever, and <laughs> definitely not in our lifetimes. It's uh, it's interesting. I I think some of these things partially be answered universal basic income, which hopefully will be a thing. Um, I've been looking into it more, and it even like I've always even seen. Uh, see being like look y'all we should do this when the fiscal conservatives are even acknowledging like hey this would be good for people and for good for the economy mm -hmm. it's like okay look this is this is something that we should go for when the people who would seemingly be the most against it are the yeah. ones who are like, nah, this is good. Like, we can recognize that. Um, yeah, I just really want that to be real. It's within grasp. Christian, it's within grasp. Yeah, man. No, I feel like, and I feel like if, once you have fiscal conservatives advocating for that, that's a good sign that you can, you can and should be getting a lot more than what they're advocating for. Like, as soon as they're like, hey, let's give people free money, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What the hell are you hiding? What are you trying to prevent that you're actually willing to give all these poor people free money? No, 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 no. Like, is the opposite, like, like, would the opposite be actually, like, advocating for, for labor rights or unions or co-ops or, like, defensible things or as opposed to just the government giving people money? So, like, I don't know, dude. I, as soon as I hear, like, a conservative advocate on that, I'm like, oh, what else can we get now? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this must be, like, the most easiest, cheapest most like this must cost nothing to these people, right? Like it must be like like now now it's like okay, I'm willing to throw out the principles because really it doesn't cost me that much. Like I I don't understand like the only and again the reason we need UBI is because capitalism is structured in such an indefensible manner. <laughs> like you need it's like hey we literally need poor and homeless people to exist to keep this uh, system running. Hey we literally need to ex exploit the resources of third world countries and their human quote unquote human capital stock to to make our lives better. You know it's it's. I just, uh, Chris, <laughs> all these things I see as band-aids. It's like, no, dude, capitalism is, or at least like, yeah, capitalism is the issue. I'm not saying markets are the issue, but I am saying like capitalism and the manner in which it's been implemented since the beginning of like its implementation is not a defensible uh, framework, right? Like it, it um, so then we, we fight and we're like, oh, what about UBI? What about charity? What about this? It's like, dude, none of this, none of this has to exist, okay? Like we have more money and food and land that we have ever had in the history of human existence. And for some reason, people make less money. They have less like opportunities. They have less food. Like where, like Chris, what is going on? <laughs> like what is going on, dude? Like I got an argument with people on Can Canadian housing subreddit 
where um like some developer came into Toronto and all over where Honest Ed's was, they built a whole bunch of condos. And this one guy was like, I'm not selling. Like, I'm not selling. So he's this little dude. He's got like a two-story building and, all, and within all these condos. And I'm like, while I'm sure that those condos are just filled with affordable rental units that working class Torontonians desperately need, um, I'm, I, I, uh, I applaud this guy's, you know, his, his principles, right? And people are like, oh, are you advocating for less housing? I'm like, no, dude, I'm advocating for actual housing that's actually affordable. No, that's not going to become an investment vehicle for some, um, you know, Chinese national or something, you know? Like, I'm not, like, Chris, it's not, it's, Chris, okay. <laughs> Before you or anyone listening thinks that I'm <laughs> racist, um, no, there's actually studies that have been done that show, like, um, like 90% of the, uh, the property in Vancouver is bought out by Hong Kongers moving their family over. And then, you know, just, you know what I mean? So you have these people who will come in and they will faces. I, the, the look was like, it needs some context, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, or, yes, I will think they're No, but yeah, no. So they show, like, what happens is these Hong Kongers, and they're leaving because China's messed up, right? Like, I get it. Like, that's dope. But the thing is, like, they have, there's mil they're millionaires over there. So what they do is they'll send their family over. Their family will be like, they'll take advantage of, like, every sort of, um, opportunity for um, assistance that the government will get people who don't make enough money. So they'll claim basically almost nothing on their taxes, but the money will be sent over from Hong Kong. So they're living in mansions, but they're getting like the same sort of OSAP um, protections and benefits that like someone who is extremely poor would get, that type of thing, right? Um, and they're not paying taxes. So they're getting to reap all the benefits of the people who pay taxes and they're taking up all of our housing and they're raising the cost of housing um, but they're not paying back in the system in any way whatsoever. Um, wait, what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. So, you are not anti-Asian. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's basically what I'm saying. But no, 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 because like all the, like, I mean, it could be any national, right? Like any foreign national from any country. Um, but but with these rich people who just come in and buy them up and flip them or use them as investors or rent them out for like extravagant prices. And my point was that, Hey man, we haven't built a single unit of affordable rental, uh, like an affordable rental apartment unit, um, in 40 years. Actually, no, sorry, within 40 years, Toronto has built 3,300. In that time, the population has risen by two million people. Um, I just sort of like, I'm like, what? What the hell did I think was going to happen by building like condos for 40 years and no affordable rental units? Like, what? What the hell, right? Um, But you said something. I'm, I'm, okay. I, 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 was, said, I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was trying to connect that to something else, and I can't remember. Oh, remember how we were talking about, um, how, like, okay, so I was, I was also looking at, uh, there's another post, how this guy was, like, saying, oh, um, you know, my friend owns a restaurant, and um, if he pays people more than minimum wage, uh, he can't make a profit, right? And... And he's like, so obviously the, the, what we need to do is pay people less than the living wage. It's like, no, dude, like what you need to do is lobby your government, right? Be like, oh, crap. Why have things gotten to the point where like I can't afford to pay someone a living wage and still operate my business? Um, and like I went in and I'm like, dude, this is literally late stage capitalism. Like, did you not realize this? Like when you like just think like maybe like for a second, <laughs> like what's going to happen? Like the whole system is, is set up so that like this is the inevitable um, conclusion where all, all power and money is consolidated into basically one company, right? So you're gonna, we're, getting, we're reaching the point where small businesses can't afford to exist. 
like the only restaurants you're going to have are franchises owned by large corporations. Um, and like, you should just be angry with the entire system. <laughs> like, you shouldn't be angry at poor people for not being able to live or afford rent on like a very like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing anymore, but I'm just getting rage thinking. Like, I'm rage connecting things. So <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop now. <laughs> well, we're, actually getting, we're actually getting near to wind down time. <laughs> okay, good, good. Chris, you got to rein me in sometimes. <laughs> Or redirect me like a like a toddler or like a dog or something. <laughs> I, I I will and I have successfully done it, but I was like I was tracking your rage and I'm like, all right, he hasn't had to he hasn't gone the oh he hasn't dropped he hasn't dropped an F bomb quickly followed by another or several. So we're still okay. We're still okay. We haven't gotten to the making angry noises stage of this yet so we're, we're, we're fine but we might yeah. need to shift here soon um <laughs> uh, great preview of, of our friendship <laughs> i got yeah yeah moving forward i think i'll try to be more concise and not get i as soon as i start getting angry about like capitalism and, and life and politics i'm just like i can't I, I start trying to connect like seemingly disparate things, but like in my mind, I know they're connected. It's just very difficult to articulate how. Um, the world is very, very complicated, dude. <laughs> it's so complicated. <laughs> well, dude, it's it, like I even said earlier, and for other reasons, but also like uh, with our with our group chat, there's stuff where I'm like, I'm just I'm just not going to respond because I'm going to respond in a bad way. Where it's like yeah. igniting this rage, and I know that that's not what you or anybody else in the chat meant or at times if you reacted to me in that way i'd be like all right remind yourself that's not what he meant but it's the words and this is a very angry trying time the nebulous yeah. 20 into 2021 um but especially I, it's been a growing power keg i'd say since 2004 let's go with the second bush election <laughs> Uh, since then, there's been this slow amp up, and you can see with how people treat politics, how treat news, how people treat stories, information and misinformation. You can genuinely track it by looking back at how stuff recorded, talked about, treated, and not from 2004 through the Obama years to the uh, the bad times. We'll just go with that, and move on because I know that's an aggressive, <laughs> a triggering uh name. Like it's, yeah, it's it's interesting, but also like, oh man, not good. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's weird. Like a lot of conservatives will will blame the media for like stoking things. Well, I mean, they can't really stoke stuff that doesn't sort of exist in the to be stoked, right? In the first place. And I mean, fair enough. I mean, it is a good point. It is a good point. But then um, you know, then I mean, I I would say like Facebook is probably the biggest, like the worst. Um, oh, yes. Like the largest propaganda machine in all of history. And um, what, what did Zuckerberg, he said something about like, hey, look, you know, I think people who deny the Holocaust are wrong, but some people, they don't come to the same conclusions as or something like that, where it's like, what? Who cares how they came to that conclusion? It's wrong and it's immoral and it's stupid. What are you talking about? Like it's damaging the moral fabric of like literally all society. Like all you're doing is like allowing people to JQ legitimately, which is in Jewish question, um, which is uh, which yeah, is insane. I, I was it's, lost. I'm like, what the heck is JQ? 
<laughs> yeah, Jake Ewing. Um, yeah, yeah. Or, or and like, you know, they'll... to think like, is, is this a cover for something vulgar? <laughs> is this a Badeus situation? <laughs> <laughs> the words, not so much. The act itself varies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, and, and so that basically like, you know, you have all these people who are, are just so like, they're not... That's another thing I don't like about a lot of these um, self-professed right-wingers. They, they seem to view um, any sort of like introspection as weakness. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's like, dude, like, in, like, if you're so unwilling to do it, then clearly it must be a same little spring. <laughs> clearly, it's like, if you're so willing to avoid it, and, and it, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's uh, it, that. that uh, okay, okay, we're done. We're done. I just, yeah, <laughs> I did it. It happened. We're done. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There, there's a video I do want to send you. I've just got to find it again. It was yeah. fascinating. Um, because it was from it was just from this dude, and I, I don't know what his politics were, but he he wasn't advocate like he wasn't like those damned left wingers or anything like that. It was just like, hey, let's look at this, and look at the factual impacts and how bad it's been um, with media in general. And he was like, let's look at how the media, to a degree. Uh, from the past 30 years is culpable for where we're at with anti-vaccine sentiments. And mm. It was fascinating because it was as we're doing, as they're covering these stories, it's like, yes, they want to recognize that this person has their honest, like their honest opinion. So they want to treat them with that respect. But it was <laughs> the negative side effects were then anytime it was coming up, it was creating the, false conclusion and illusion that more doctors or more people within the medical science community are siding with that viewpoint when factually, demonstrably, that is not true. Um, And then as they were bringing it up, it would always be like, hey, we want to be fair to this side, but we're going to pair up uh, like a mother who had just lost their, their, their daughter or their child and they felt this was very connected. So it was in this raw emotional place that people naturally connect to and will mm. empathize with much more than the person on the other side. And then they're matched up against a, a medical professional who like runs a hospital or something who is naturally answering in like the medical jargon in like, Look, statistically, it's blah 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 and all that, which then un like unintended on CNN's side because he was showing stuff from CNN, but also others like paints the picture of the evil deta- like detached profit hungry doctor and the mother who just wants to look out for her child, and yeah. like that's not what was going on, but because that's been the situation and how these things have been presented. It's we're now at a point where it's now festered and it's in a way coming home to roost where you're looking at a lot of doctors and you're like, I don't believe you. And we'll believe like the one or two fringe science rogue doctors who are clearly here to support us and support us emotionally and all that. And it was fascinating because it wasn't like burn down the media, but it's like, hey, look, this is how we got to this place where everybody's like, how, how have we gotten to this place? Mm. <laughs> a challenge we're facing and a question like, don't people realize? It's like, hey, let's look at from 
1977, and then a situation in the 80s and the 90s, and a big one in the early 2000s. Like, it was just crazy fascinating. I, I, I'd love to send it to you. Just kind of, yeah. It, it was an objective look. It wasn't like, because the guy is all, like, throughout every time, he's like, look, statistically, factually, from doctors, like, this is what it says. It says these fears and hesitations that you have are wrong. They're unfounded. They're incredibly unlikely. Like, that's what the science says. That's what the majority of the science says. There are freak things outside of that. There are very rare exceptions, but this is what it says. But because it's always been like, well, we got to treat everything equal, you've made it seem like, oh, this, this concern is as legit and has as much factual merit yes. as the doctor is advocating. And that's, yes. like, that's an accident. that's not good no it's not and i think like there's also um a huge um push and i mean i don't know like there's a few few instances where um certain pushes to politicize things can be traced back to uh right-wing think tanks um admittedly i'm not as familiar with um uh like i mean you know me like i'm i'm (laughs) I, i guess i'm biased in a way I'm not biased in the sense that I'm willing to ignore reality, but I am biased in the sense where a lot of um, my information comes from like a, a leftist or socialist perspective, right? Where like, yeah, I'm more likely to hear. We're all biased. We yeah, all yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think like obviously recognizing it um, and trying to mitigate it is you're, yeah. you're, you're you're like miles ahead from someone who has, who doesn't care or has no idea, right? But. Yeah. Um, you know, I can I I know of a few instances wherein, like again, the politicization, like we were talking about of of um abortions and stuff like that, like they could be um traced back to um uh, again like right wing packs and think tanks and stuff. And I think there's there's like and and if you look at Fox News, I mean, a very good example, the politicization of things that were at one time not political in any way, right? Where it's like, um, you know, and, and the the sort of um. You know, between that and like Facebook and, and and like you said, like the media generally saying, hey, you know, if you disagree with someone who's gone to school for eight years and is literally an expert in their field on this, your opinion is just as valid. And it's like, no, dude, it's not. It's not at all. Because, A, it's an opinion. It's not based on any sort of knowledge or education or facts or information or data or anything. Uh, it's based on like the fear from someone who's compl- who views introspection itself is a weakness right so it's like what well how am i so like if you dude like, why are these people being allowed like why are they even allowed to to vote but anyway that's a whole other thing um, <laughs> is, um again that um, yeah, might yeah, be so, an example of why i'm glad you're not running <laughs> no no i mean i would have like dude i think it's when i say stuff like that and i think when a lot of people say stuff like that it's just out of complete like it it's honestly it's out of a a very correct understanding and knowledge of how insurmountable and numerous the myriad of of insane <laughs> like crap that we'd have to deal with and fix right so it's like right. like dude i don't know like what how else would we solve this how do we change the heart and mind of someone who is so ideologically opposed to um just facts or um like just uh baseline philosophical concepts or right. you know just like how how do you how do you fix that? How do you solve that? How do you how do you make that person a decent person, right? Like a defensible moral actor. I don't know. I don't like. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I don't. Because you have people who who you know describe to who say, hey, they describe themselves as like a Christian, and then they'll go on Facebook and like 
<laughs> and start saying some of the most heinous, vile stuff, dude. Like it's like, whoa, holy crap. And like, how do you how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile that cognitive dissonance? Where it's like, whoa, man, like that's not like like how can you say those things and still view yourself as like a like a moral actor? Like I I don't. Okay. Oh, oh! It's because it's against someone that you think is on the left, so that all of a sudden makes it okay. I guess I don't. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like yeah. the, the acrobatics, I'm not capable of doing them. I can't do that, right? Oh, I just want to say. I just want to say, the, the, the politicization of things that should not be politicized. Um, like um, basically saying like like progress, like progress itself. Like, hey, let's give everyone healthcare because we're spending more on the system now and it's not defensible. People just call you left wing and say you're a commie and you're a socialist, and it's just like. What, what are you talking? No, dude, I'm 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 actually making like a pragmatic, a moral, and economically like in every in every sense a defensible argument for 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 or criticism of the the current paradigm, and all you're hearing is propaganda. Like that's like you're you're just spouting and and it's coming in and you're spouting it back out. Like that's all you're doing, right? And so like how do you how do you how, how do you reconcile like these like uh trying to improve society with people who view any sort of attempt at improvement as like an evil socialist coup or takeover or or stuff where it's like it's like dude, maybe socialism isn't even that bad dude like like what the heck like <laughs> i don't know like how do you like chris like what's even what's even the point of trying you know like if if they're not using not rationally coming to their conclusions in any way uh i think i think we talked about this in if we salvage that for that our first recorded episode, which will possibly be our second and third episode, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Next year. But <laughs> I think in that I like my stance is like if I'm having a conversation with someone, say about UBI or yeah. universal healthcare, um, if I get that if I get that sense from the like you're not in a space to listen, you're already like shutting me down you're not even treating me respectfully enough to actually listen to the words i say you're just jumping to the conclusions or reference or all that then then i'm not going to have the conversation with you just like if i was yeah. in, i wouldn't expect anybody to have that conversation with me but if no, me neither. but if it's someone who's like still might have that entrenched view but then there's the actual genuine time like the one or two genuine times when they're like, okay, why do like help me understand because I don't get it because my view is this and it's backed by this and this. And you're like, okay, now if you're actually up for listening, I'm not, I, I'm not hoping I convince you, but if you like, now's the time where you're actually opening the hearing, at least that'll start you on the journey <laughs> a little bit. I'd rather start the journey then just be like, nope, you're on an island to yourself. I'm going to burn the bridge and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good analogy because it feels like, like, imagine if you're in a group of survivors or something and you're trying to make decisions and, like, some people are like, like, I, I don't need food to survive. And you're sort of like, but should we bring these people with us or are they just going to end up starving to death and being, like, a, a hindrance to us? And Or it's like, hey, I don't believe in, like, I don't know. Like, I don't like. It just it seems like there's at some point it's like crap, man. If it, like for instance, like um, you know, you come up to a Trump supporter, and you're like, hey, I have this video. Like, hey, did did you know Trump said this thing? And they're like, hey, he didn't. And it's like, okay, but I, I have video of him saying it. Like, that's fake. And I mean, if he did say it, it doesn't matter because it's like, how are we supposed to deal with someone like that who's so like and so like they're motivated. Their reasoning is so motivated, and it's motivated by like, like the dumbest evil most evil crap like i don't like how do you 
like how are you supposed to repair or i know but like then at some point like this person has power like in the sense that you do like they have a voice they can go online they can they can spread their bs they they vote it's like what like if you have someone who's so ideologically motivated they're un, they're willing to like vote against their best interests simply because someone told them that voting for for their own best interest is somehow socialism even though they don't understand, like clearly I know it, they don't understand like anything at all. And this person is still allowed to like vote and function and like go online and spew their BS. It's kind of like, I, I don't know the solution. And I, I'm not going to make a prescriptive, you know, suggestion as, as to what we should do, because I think any suggestion, I mean, I think you and anyone listening could come to the same conclusion. Like, hey, I think the only solution is probably remove them from society somehow. But I don't know how you're going to do that in any meaningful way without like curtailing like, like everybody's liberties, like sort of I, forfeiting. I, I kind of be like, look, if my society was doing that, like if Canada was doing that, I'd be like, I'm going to look hard at it. Because um, even if it's coming from the best, uh, like the best interest, I'd still be like, we're getting to a like authoritarian to- territory. I don't know how you, like, I don't know how you do that, where it's like, as we're talking there, I'm like, that's the, that's the downsides, because there are, of living in a democratic land and living well, well, in countries with like where where there is free speech and all that yeah <laughs> there I, is there is negative sides to that but, but we can try we can still try to work on that like just because they're there doesn't mean they have to like we have to treat it with the exact same reverence or level playing field as the stuff that's you know right <laughs> yeah, but here's here's, here's here. yeah, but for the longest time, liberal democracies understood that when you, you need an educated populace to avoid this stuff, right? And now it seems like again, and I, I I'm gonna come off as biased, but it seems like the right wing, like they're they're in relentless defunding of education and public broadcasting and uh, the removal of any sort of like objectivity, like laws that sort of enforce objectivity in media, or they're, you know, it's like this, this huge campaign to make people less intelligent, less educated, more biased, more reactionary. And, uh, I, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, all this stuff, like, you know, those rules of like, hey, you know, you can't become a th- like, that's authoritarian, like stuff that we would consider authoritarian. I don't think the paradigm supports that anymore, uh, due to like the fact that like, uh, 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 like a 50 year concerted effort to basically hollow out the intelligence and critical thinking skills of your population it, it becomes like okay well like what what's the option I, I think the intention is to put us to get us to a point where we have to start making authoritarian policies and I, I, like I, I, it, or else what are we going to do right like you can't say hey like that's authoritarian but then on, and within like on this on the other hand also defund schools repeatedly right it's like well what do you expect is going to happen dude that's like all liberal democracy is based upon people knowing what the what the hell they're saying, right? Like understanding what reality is, and it's it's sort of like I I don't know, man. I wonder. I I and it, the thing that sucks is like I don't even want to. I don't even want to make it partisan, right? I just wish we could all say, hey, the people who are doing this are wrong to do it, and it doesn't matter if they say they're right wing or if they say they're left wing or if they tell you they're fighting against the right or left. It doesn't matter. Like we should all understand there's a culture and know, hey, education is important. We need to be educating people, right? Um, now it's become like, oh, education is just left-wing indoctrin, like uh, uh, schools are just left-wing indoctrination centers. And it's like, yeah, because like the right-wing media has has made concerted efforts to, to 
to say like, hey, anything good for society is now a left-wing socialist commie idea, right? And it's like, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't like, I, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so over it. I'm over this, whatever this is. I, I'm, I can't wait for it to end. It's going to take forever to do so, but uh, it, it needs to. And I just hope that it ends in the right way because it's definitely going to end. Uh, the, the ending I would not like to see is basically, um, basically one company owning literally the entire earth, which is, I kind of feel like what might happen. Like, I, <laughs> it's uh, it's scary, man. Like, like I, I saw this meme today where someone was like, you know, isn't it interesting how every every in capitalism or under capitalism, or at least in, within our lifetimes, we've seen three recessions essentially, right? three economic collapses, and every time the people with the most wealth come out with far more property, far more wealth, far more capital. It almost seems, maybe, <laughs> maybe, like it might be planned, like it might be intentional. Who knows, right? <laughs> like, um, it's, it's, it's crazy, dude. It's, 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 I don't, uh, Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a deep breath and go, ah, soon, okay? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up because I got to get yes. going. Uh, Stop me. <laughs> uh, Sorry, there was something you said before where I, I can't remember. Um, but I don't know. We, I said a lot. <laughs> when we were talking healthcare, um, and I've shared this with you before, and I can't remember if I ever shared it on an Into the Week. There might have been some of the ones that we recorded that have just ended up in the nebulous that will never be released for mm -hmm. whatever reason. Um, about, I think, a year ago. No, no, no. It had to be like two or so years ago. Um, it was like, it was just, I was super duper stressed, but it was sometimes some of the physical symptoms you get with stress, like you get a sore arm or you, like your heart beats faster or like, yeah. so the night before I was going for MRI for my, my stomach, um, I was just up sore. Like my, my heart was beating a bit faster and my left arm was sore. And of course mm. those are classic, like well-known heart attack um so that was something i was naturally worried about um i have to admit to myself and just get over it i always get extra anxious going to hospitals just because like when my when we found out my dad had pancreatic cancer he was going in for back pain it was it, like exploratory in a way exploratory back surgery it was just like his back was in a lot of pain they'd done some tests they couldn't figure anything out so it was like, all right, we, we have to open up and see what's there. And when they opened up, they saw the pancreatic cancer. Like, it, it was done. Um, so ever since then, like, I get nervous and anxious when, like, family members or loved ones are going to the hospital. So, mm. like, I just guess in becoming aware of my own anxiety and depression over the past, like, I've got to acknowledge that. But so this day I went in. And they were like, they took my bullet, blood pressure and something was off with it. And, Are you okay? You're looking kind of pale and your blood pressure's racing and all that. I was like, well, eh, it's this. And last night I had some arm chest pain and I had that. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> um, so basically, like, I got the MRI and then afterwards they were like, look, you, um, we're not sure, but you're displaying symptoms of a possible heart attack, like a minor one because uh, not all heart attacks are the ones we see on tv They're yeah the dramatic ones like there can be minor heart attacks where you don't have the like i'm in hospital and my arm's in a sling or whatever like it's it's a lot smaller not that it's not a big deal 
But, oh, yeah, there's some people who have heart attacks they had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. strokes even, too, right? So it's... But, uh, so I had to go from one hospital to another, because <laughs> the one I was at didn't have an emergency room or emergency services, so I had to go to them. Um, because it, it's a kid's hospital and I'm an adult, um, but that's where my stomach doctor is. Um, so it's just different hospitals, different things. I think when when they're at a kid's hop, hospital, they're called a tummy doctor, Chris. People <laughs> <laughs> actually jokingly be like, so what's wrong with you? And he's a very nice British man. So it's... <laughs> Doc, my tum-tum, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um so, but the whole point is, like, I was at that other hospital for, like, eight hours, um, which was not fun. But I had to, like, naturally, I had to get a battery of tests done just <laughs> so, like, they could make sure I was fine. Or that if, even if I, if something had happened, that something wasn't going to happen when I was being sent home. Yeah. And that day, more than any other, I was so thankful our healthcare system. Because I was mm-hmm. like, battery of tests. I've watched enough House to know <laughs> that we would have to take out like a second, if not third, mortgage on our place to cover all this, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so indefensible. It's so indefensible. Like the way the U.S. is structured, it's like, hey, let's like stick this middleman in here so we can actually like, <laughs> so they can make money. No one gets health care. And it costs the taxpayers, and like it's just, it's such a, it's all oh, Chris. Okay, there we go. There it is. I did it. <laughs> that's, the time, that's the time to move on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when, when oh. the, oh, it's, it's time to be done. Um, just so I, angry. <laughs> I will listen. What? Thank you. Sorry. No, no, no. I was, I was, there was one more thing I wanted to say, and I can't remember. Oh, man. When I went to sleep last night, like I was laying down and I had like this pain, like it was in like right under like my left boob, and then like right at the, <laughs> right at the bottom of my rib, sir. Yeah, my boob, my my pec, or what should look or be a pec look like or be a pec. Um, so yeah, I had a pain like right there. I had a pain like right on the bottom of my right rib, and like a pain like right in the middle of my back. And they were oh, all like it was all this. It was the same pain, and it was all like I'm like I don't know what's causing this, but they're all being caused by whatever's causing it right like it's all part of the same thing but it was it was pain like usually i you know you get used to your own aches and your sores and when things start to hurt you're like yeah that's just something that happened but it's part of my body but this was like i never felt this before and it hurt enough where like i couldn't fall asleep where like crap i wanted like i had to move around because i was getting uncomfortable and it was such like it almost felt like gas but i'm like i've never felt pain up this high in my body from gas before like it would always be like around my abdomen and stuff right it wasn't just so, extreme bloating like Mike would say after he goes to <laughs> I don't I don't know maybe I mean I honestly I hadn't really eaten in the past two days I wasn't like a sandwich or something I just didn't I wasn't hungry I just I don't know but I think what happens is like I don't eat and then my my body doesn't get hungry the way it does when I eat regularly like you know when you eat regularly you get hungry you're like holy crap this hurts it feels empty I really gotta eat right um and I think my body eventually just goes into a mode of like okay, like, no food's coming for a while, so we're not going to bother you with this so much. And and I don't know, if, and some people say, oh, that's evolutionary, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, because there are times, like, in our past where we would go days without food, right? Um, so it's kind of like your body's just like... I think your body what? learns and adjusts as you go. It, it eventually, like, my stomach doctor is like, look, you're 
as you change your diet to figure things out, like that's going to upset your stomach less, it will learn. Yeah. <laughs> like your, your body yeah. does learn things. So. Yeah. 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 They, and it's, it's been shown like if you, if you go into like, you know, there's like ketosis and stuff, or if you go into like, if you start, um, yeah, if you, if you don't eat, <laughs> your body will like your not metabolism or yeah, it'll change. It'll basically change to be like, we're not going to bother you with this hunger thing because you you must know you're hungry at this point. Um, you know, we're going to it's going to use energy more efficiently because it knows, you know, you're not like it'll um like for instance, if I start eating now, if I eat like a whole bunch right now, uh, of like just fatty foods or like even just any food, I eat a whole bunch of it. Like my body's going to store a lot more fat than it would have if I were eating regularly at regular intervals, right? Because right. then it knows it's like, oh, okay, I don't have to store that fat because you're always getting food, right? Yeah. Um. So I think that's part of the issue, or like. Yeah, yeah, I need to eat anyway. <laughs> um, all right, so any as as we close, my good man, uh, any any final thoughts? Lighthearted final thoughts. <laughs> oh, uh, I wish. I wish. I don't know, man. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna have many more lighthearted thoughts moving forward in my life. But no, I got nothing right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll toss out. Uh, I'm. I recognize I'm in the minority on this. I prefer the Wallflowers cover of Hero over David Bowie's original. That's my lighthearted thought. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can take that. Yeah, I can say over that. Like, not, <laughs> not that the Bowie original is bad. I just personally prefer the Wallflowers cover. <laughs> Man, Bowie, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, his like um, it was a very interesting time for where they cover their his songs in a way that makes them better. <laughs> yeah, like I, like I was saying, man, like it's... Nirvana's Man Who Sold the World. That yeah. cover is so, to me, so much better than, than the original. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing with Bowie, right, is that, like, he had the, the best uh, session musicians from, in my opinion, what is the best decade for session musicians, um, the 70s, right? And the thing is, is that while they were the best, they were also the most drugged up. So what you get with Bowie is like, like these people who are insanely skilled, but also high as high as hell. So there's a lot of like, you can just hear it, and and not only like the quality of the recordings, but the way like the how um a lot of there's there's very few things in his songs that are are solid, you know, or or like for okay for instance like the man who sold the world like you do have that riff right that riff like is in the song, but there's so many other things that just sort of meander and are sort of have an improvisational sort of flavor to them and stuff right like um if you look at um the spiders uh spiders from mars biggie started the spiders from mars like all like there's so many songs on that album where the bass line never does the same thing twice ever like it just is <laughs> so it's it, and it's dope it's so dope to listen to especially like um space oddity when the bass comes in like like and it just starts doing this crazy walk groove like it's it's amazing to listen to but um yeah, it doesn't really do a lot for the coherency. So I think like, yeah, um, there could be a little more, a little more uh, consistency um, inserted into his his songs, right? So I think a lot of the covers of his songs benefit from from that as opposed to like being a bunch of like insanely high uh, talented session musicians on the seventy just going in and be like, hey, do your thing, you know, go in and, and have fun. Um, just just it, jam and we'll record it. <laughs> Yeah, basically, basically, dude. Yeah, basically. I mean, there's a place for that. Um, but, you know, I, I think reining it in just a, t a teensy 
teensy bit probably would have been a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you need some limits. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, if genius without structure is it doesn't really. I mean, it's potentially incredibly dangerous, right? So, or like, yeah, yeah. So like, just because someone's intelligent doesn't mean that they're going to do great things with that intelligence or then use it efficiently. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Jack White actually said um, for the White Stripes, he really enjoyed having, um, he's like three colors, you know, uh, three chords, three everything, right? Like he's trying to box himself in and give himself rules so that he can actually, he can be more creative, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that gave me another thought, but we'll, let, yeah, this is how we do. Yeah, this is yeah, this is it. <laughs> we, we just keep going into the weeds. <laughs> Idea tennis over here. <laughs> all right. So all that being said, uh, dear listener, we hope you enjoyed today's uh, debut episode. I'll say our unplanned debut episode, but I, I like I still think it's a good a good first episode, and I'm hoping we'll be able to recover uh, the other the the one we recorded just because there we shared more like how, how we got here what like what led us to deciding to just that like doing us together as a sub-series on on my podcast radio so no let's let's make new like and listener if you're coming over from one Us radio don't like i'm not leaving that that's my baby i'm still gonna be doing that we're coming up on four friggin' years man it's nuts um wow yeah, right like this october it's been four years um I'm not leaving that like that. That that's my baby. Um, but this is this is something new and exciting for us, and it's it's in a way I'd say like it's not it's you and I creating the landscape of this together. It's not you coming into a space that I've set out, or me mm. coming into a space that you've set out. It's we're making it, <laughs> and it's it's ours. Hence the radio arcade. <laughs> it's uh, that is the best way to, to go about doing it. And and in the future we will have um more what is it, more constant not concentrated, more uh, focused episodes, like where we focus oh, yeah. on yeah, a particular thing or something. Um oh, yeah. Think, yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. There's gonna be times where it's about an, an anime or a comic or uh we're planning on doing some office episodes, be they be they watch along or summaries, and I know we're gonna end up talking about politics and the election down the road. Um, Dude, I would love to do an episode where I live tweet um, the Harry Potter movies because <laughs> there's this one like in one where um, Hedwig gets killed. And I'm like, really? Like I wanted to like at J.K. Rowling, like you really had to kill the owl? Was that necessary? You know? Like, come on, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's <was> like <laughs> there's so many. Oh man, I think there's some. I think there's some some. Uh, what is it? What is it? Fertile ground for comedy there. <laughs> so, listener, keep uh, keep your ear out. Um, we have our Instagram. You can find it at the Radio Arcade Podcast. Uh, we will have our Twitter set up. If it's not already by the time you're hearing, it'll be up shortly, and you can find it at also the Radio Arcade Podcast on Twitter. Um, we will, uh, if you're hearing us through um red circle that they are who we host with and they are wonderful um but we are also going to make sure our rsss feed is hooked up to podbean apple spotify and all that uh, all the podcatchers so you can listen to us through there please rate and review i know you 
Like literally everybody says that. And in a second, I might even be like, don't forget to put that like, put that like, and smash <laughs> the subscribe button, subscribe button. But it actually does help. The more, the more likes or clicks or interaction uh, a podcast or even like something gets, the, the more easy to find it becomes, the more recognized in the universal algorithm it becomes and not like we're thinking oh our stuff is so amazing everybody needs to hear it but i am (laughs) i'm 100 saying saying exactly that we'd like more people to hear it like we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think it would be fun or something that many people could at least find interesting if not possibly learn something from or enjoy so yeah we're such decent people that we feel you deserve to hear our podcast. <laughs> I'm so humble that I recognize how awesome I am and that you need to, you need to be aware and hear how, how fantastic I, the humble Chris, am. <laughs> it's like just fully turn around. It's like, I'm so humble. I am willing to allow you to listen to us have a conversation for free. We're not charging you for this. We're not just jumping straight into Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's just it's like I'm doing you the favor by making this podcast. <laughs> so I just want everyone to know. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> All right, listener. All that being said, hope you enjoyed our first episode. Uh, check it. We'll see you back in two weeks with, for what you and potentially for us will be a brand new episode. (laughs) Have a great day, guys. Peace. Peace.